Good morning. Welcome to Life Point Church, or at least our online streaming of this. My name is Pastor Brent Vansicle. I'm one of the pastors at Life Point Church. We are in Farmington, Utah. We usually meet under normal circumstances at Studio One Dance, which is next to the being renovated post office there in Farmington. One of our goals as Life Point Church, we are in Farmington. We're for Farmington. We always want to be involved in the community and be a positive um, aspect of what's going on in Farmington. Um, we also, one of our goals, our vision is to point people to true life. And we believe that that is found in Jesus Christ alone. So we're going to continue looking at uh, 1 John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there or flip there on your phones. Before we actually read our text in 1 John chapter 3, though, um, I'd like to open with an illustration. And it is that of something that happened in the last week and a half here in our household. Uh, my wife's iPhone 6 had been slowing down. The battery wasn't really keeping much of a charge. So we actually ordered on Amazon an iPhone battery replacement kit. Now I had done one of these probably a few years back. I had replaced something on an iPhone 4, but there's actually some, some fear that was involved in this because you're wondering, okay, if I do something just wrong, um, I'm going to mess up the phone. It's gonna, we're going to be out of pocket a couple hundred bucks. Now, we don't have as much uh, invested in that as the latest generation of iPhones, but there was still that fear of, hey, if I do this wrong, um, Jennifer's phone's not going to work. She's going to be without a phone. We're going to be out a couple hundred bucks. So there was that aspect that was going on. But then, you know, I had to keep telling myself a couple things. All right, Brent, you've done this before. You have a little bit of experience. You did that, uh, you followed the instructions before, and you have reason to be confident. To be confident. Now, in that kit, I want to show you just a couple of things, and I'll periodically dive off screen, but it comes with the tiniest little screwdrivers that you've ever seen. Here's a little bit in that kit. It comes with a little suction cup that you stick on the front, little tools. You remove some of the tiniest little screws that you can ever imagine in all of this. So it's an interesting process. However, you know, despite the fear, there were a couple things in which I could be a bit more confident. One of those was past experience, maybe with a different generation of iPhone, but I'd done this before. Um, a couple other things, it came with an instruction manual and it was actually a pretty decent instruction manual. And there's all these different steps that you have to do in just the right order. You have to even take a hair dryer to the phone to kind of uh, dissolve some of the glue that's sticking different parts there. It's not a super easy process, but there were also online videos, YouTube videos showing you how to go through the steps. And with all of that, I was able to kind of overcome some of that fear and I was able to step-by-step step follow the instructions, and in doing so, it built confidence. And then the moment of truth came, you put everything back together, you've replaced the battery, and you go and you charge the phone back on, and voila, the little Apple icon popped up on the screen. So I was, I was happy, and you know, I left with confidence, knowing that, hey, I was able to do that repair, and why was it? Because there were certain steps along the way. Now in 1 John, 
John is writing this. It's the Apostle John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. He's writing this probably in the late 80s, uh, early 90s AD. He's writing this to believers, and he's doing it to battle different apostasy and heresies that, that had come into the church that were from outside the church, even from people that had left the church, and that were giving a false gospel. They were false teachers. And ultimately, he's writing this to combat the heresy, but also he's writing to believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, to assure them so that they would have confidence in knowing that they were in Christ, that they had been saved and that their salvation was secure. So Phil and I have been going back to this, but I think the key verse in 1 John is 1 John 5.13. That says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5.13. And as we've been reading through and studying 1 John, there's a few different things. Um, the ultimate theme is that so people may know that they are in the faith, that they have their sins forgiven, that when they die, they know for sure that they will be in the presence of God forever and ever, rather than what they deserve, the punishment for their sin forever separated from the presence of God. You know, a few things that perhaps people have wrestled with of, hey, am I saved? Am I lost? How do I know for sure? Some of the things that 1 John does not teach. Some of those things would be just simply praying a prayer. Um, I think back of that maybe stereotypical vacation Bible school experience where you've got a little kid. At one point, they prayed a prayer. They went forward at the invitation. They walked an aisle. And then you follow them throughout the rest of their life. And there's just no evidence or fruit that what the decision they made was real and that it was a real faith. You also don't see in the Bible in 1 John as he's writing through this assurance of salvation, you don't find that it's confidence in being baptized. It's not confidence in singing in the church choir or serving in the church nursery or working with the teens in the youth group. It's not a matter of church membership. It's not about tithing. It's not about any list of things that people oftentimes associate. Well, hey, you know, I know that I'm a believer. I know that I have salvation because I prayed this prayer when I was a little kid and I wrote the date on the inside of my Bible. So anytime I just look at my Bible, I know that I was saved then. No, John doesn't write about those things when he's talking about, hey, this is how you can have confidence that you know you are saved. And some of those things, and we're gonna look at that in this passage, but some of these things that John points to throughout this epistle to these believers is the fact that you need to believe correct doctrine. And ultimately that correct doctrine is correct belief about who Jesus is. And also your sin that separates you from a holy God. It is loving God and evidencing that with love for him and love for other people. It is very simply at times, although it's difficult for us to actually do, is to obey his commandments, to actually follow Jesus. And then another evidence that we have is God gives us himself. 
He gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to say, yes, you're mine. And God is your Father, Abba Father. So let's look at this passage, and, and there's always a tension in the Bible somewhat between faith and works. You know, James very famously said, faith without works is dead. And it's important for us to realize a couple things before we dive into this a little bit more, is the fact that all religion, aside from biblical Christianity, really has this idea of, okay, what do I need to do? It's works. What can I do to get to a holy God? Whereas biblical Christianity comes and a radically different approach and says, no, you can't do. The only thing that you do is you sinned, which cause separation from a holy God, from his creation and from his creatures. That's what we've done. There's, there's nothing that we can do, no good works that we can do to get to God. So all of the world religions say do. Christianity says done. It's done for you. It's a gift. Won't you believe it and receive it? So let's read our passage in 1 John chapter 3. It's at the end of the book. It says this in verse 19. 1 John 3, 19, I'm going to read through 24. It says this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So just as I mentioned, you know, I had confidence. There were certain things that, that built my confidence in being able to do that iPhone repair. And, and John is saying, hey, there are things that if they are evident in your life, it should build confidence of the fact that you can know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at two main points, believing in the name of his son, Jesus. And the second one is confidence and certain things, five different things that we can have confidence in that point us to, yes, I'm in Christ or, you know, that's not true in my life. I am lost. I need a savior. So the first of those, and we're actually kind of skipping ahead to one of the verses, but it is believe in the name of his son, Jesus. If you look at verse 13, it says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And it leads us to the fact that first John kind of uses this phrase, it's a commandment. So the first step of obedience, the first step to be in the family of God is to believe. It's to believe in Jesus and it's to believe rightly about who the Bible says Jesus to be, that he is God, that he was a creator, that he was all these things, that he was the Messiah that came to redeem lost people and to be the Lamb of God that would take the sins of the world upon his shoulders. 
it's interesting that it phrases this, hey, the commandment. This is a commandment. The first way, the entry into God's family is belief in Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, John also says in his gospel, in John chapter 6, really kind of an interesting verse that, you know, people like to talk about faith and works and all these things. In first, or excuse me, in John chapter 6, let me get there. Let me read verse 28 and then verse 29. The crowd said to him in verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do? You know, again, kind of going back to the, the fact that our tendency as humans is to, hey, just give me a list. What do I need to do? That's what they're asking. What must we do to be doing the works of God? They're asking for a list. And Jesus answers in verse 29. He answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Okay, so they wanted a list and he says, hey, you want to know the work of God? It is this, believe in the Son of God. Believe in Jesus. And that drives us to the gospel. You know, you don't need a savior. You don't need to be saved from anything if there's nothing wrong with you. And that drives us to the fact that even in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they chose to rebel against God. They said, you know what, God, you've told us to do this, but I'm going to be my own God and I'm going to do this. And they disobeyed. And all of us have disobeyed. Even from a very young age, we have, we have seen what we should do and we've decided, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to choose to be my own God. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to sin. And the Bible says in, in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, people may have a tendency to say, Well, you know, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Who cares? Apparently we're all sinners. Well, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin, what we deserve because of our sin, what we've done, the wages of sin is death death. Not only is it a physical death, but the Bible talks all throughout, even the words of Jesus, the fact that he talked about separation from God. The Bible is descriptive about that and fire and torment and weeping and gnashing of teeth and outer darkness. There's all these descriptions, the lake of fire where there's no relief, all of these different things that point us to the seriousness of sin. The fact that we're sinners that deserve God's punishment because of our rebellion, because of our raised fist in rebellion to our Creator and our Holy God who cannot be in the presence of sin. But again, it points us to hope. The fact that we can have a relationship with God, and that is by believing. Believing in Jesus Christ. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To have your sins forgiven, to be in the presence of God forever, and it's coming to the end of yourself. It's realizing your lost condition, realizing that you're a sinner that deserves punishment, and it's not turning to yourself and your solutions and your devices and the works that you can do to get to God. 
because those fail. It is bending the knee in humility, throwing your hands up and surrender and saying, God, I can't and I don't deserve it, but you sent Jesus, the sinless one, God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, who lived the sinless life that we could never do. And he went to that cross in humility on the hillside outside of Jerusalem. And he hung on that cross and endured torment. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, prophesying of what was to come hundreds of years later, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And that's what the Bible says. That's what the gospel it is. It is, you can't do it. It is turn to Jesus and receive his free gift on your behalf. His payment at great price on your behalf. It takes humility. It takes childlike faith to just simply believe it and to receive it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man would boast. And we would. If we could do anything, any amount of good things, any good works, we would boast about us. Yeah, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Look at what I did. No, that's not how it works. It takes humility. It takes a realization of knowing how lost you are and how, how much sin is an affront to the character of our holy creator God. So the first thing is believe in the name of Jesus. In 1 John 3, 23, he says, hey, this is the commandment, that you believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. Um, in John chapter 6, verse 29, he said, this is the work that you must do. It's belief. So then he goes on, and in this passage, he talks about five things that give us confidence or assurance that we are in relationship with God, that we're saved, that we are his children. And the first one of those, if you look in verse 19, it says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. And it's talking about love for others. It's kind of pointing back to the previous passage that talks about, we know, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So he's pointing first off one of the reasons that we can have confidence in the fact that we are saved, that we're in Christ, is by looking at the evidence of our life of whether we love others. Whether we see others and we put and esteem them more than we do our own interests. It's a sacrificial love. And if you are a brother and sister in Christ, that's one of the evidences that you were even willing to die for others. That when you see a brother in need, that you're not going to close your fist. You're not going to put your hand tight over your wallet. You're going to be willing to give 
sacrificially when you see needs. And again, Phil talked about this. This is particularly of the household of faith, other brothers and sisters in Christ that you see needs and you're willing to be sacrificial and put their interest and their livelihood ahead of your own comfort. Your love for others. This helps build confidence. Look in verse 20. It says, um, love for others that sometimes our heart is fickle. It says this, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot like this, but there's times when, when I think we almost just wallow. You know, we, we're, we've believed in Jesus Christ. There's evidence of that in our lives, but we still sin. And it's like you, you look at your sin and you just start wallowing and you're like, ah, how can I be a child of God? Look at what I did. I mean, how, how can I do such a thing? And it's almost like you beat yourself up to an extent that, that isn't healthy. Now, healthy is recognizing that you've sinned, the Spirit convicts you, and you confess it. And you repent, you turn from that sin, and you place God on the center of His place of worship in your heart. You confess it. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess it. But our heart, at times, it condemns us. And why is that? Well, our heart, our heart is fickle. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Our heart is fickle. And sometimes we have a tendency to focus on our sin and our failures, and it almost cripples us. It almost um, disables us from having confidence and knowing that there is no condemnation when we're in Christ. Let me read you Romans 8, 1. It speaks to this. The fact that you, if you are in Christ, you can have confidence. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. We can have confidence. Um, knowing that hey, the general pattern of our life, it, if it's love for God, love for others, that you have the right belief, hey, you're still going to mess up. But don't wallow in that. Don't be disabled by your failures. Get back up and realize, hey, you're forgiven. You didn't earn that forgiveness to begin with. It's God's gift. It's His continuing grace, the fact that He looks down on you and He says, you're my child. I see you through the lens of the blood of my Son, Jesus Christ, who died on your behalf. So one, I, I think it's realizing that our heart sometimes does condemn us, and not rightfully so. It says, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Secondly, it says, so we've got love for others. That's one of the reasons we can have confidence. The second one is the fact that we can go to God in prayer, having confidence to enter before Him in prayer, knowing that what we ask will get answered. Look at verse 22 and whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him now this is interesting right it's not like you're doing enough good stuff to earn god's credit and then he'll answer your prayers that's not how it works but it is work like this hey if you love god 
you're obeying him, you keep his commandments. Well, what do you do? If you're obeying his commandments and you have a genuine love for God, you love other people, what are the, some of the natural things that follow that? Well, you obey God's commands. You keep the rules that he has put into place. Um, and you do so out of a grateful heart out of a sincere heart and a heart that's motivated by love for God. And what does that do? You find that when you pray and when you go to God, you can do so boldly and you actually ask for the things that he wants you to ask for. Why is that? Because you're walking in line with God. Right action actually can leads you to a place where you can have confidence that your prayers will be answered because you're praying rightly because your heart is so in tune with what God wants and what His will is, that your prayers are in line with that. So then we go down and we look, so we have confidence because we love others. We have confidence because we enter boldly in prayer and we see our prayers answered. The third thing that you see is you obey His commands. So we read that the end of verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So you have confidence in prayer. You have your prayers being answered. And then you simply obey his commands. You obey Jesus. When he says, don't sin, you do so gladly. And you do so thinking, not thinking that, hey, God's keeping all these good things away from me. No, you do so because you know that God has your best interests in mind for him to make him look good. So you go in confidence and you get your prayers answered. You also can have confidence. It's building confidence because you're obeying his commands. The Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The fourth one we've already looked at at the very beginning, but it is kind of going back to verse 23 there in John chapter 3 that says, Believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ. In His Son, Jesus Christ, excuse me. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of the Son of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So again, it's just kind of circling back to, hey, Another way that you can have confidence that you're in Christ is looking at what you believe. And by the way, I think this is key. It's not just, hey, back when I was a kid, I believed. I prayed a prayer. You know, I did that. No. It is a belief that, yes, started at a specific point in time, by the way, that you may not know when that was. You may not know the date, and that's okay. But the belief started at some point in time, and it continues on. So when people, you know, when they have family members and things like this that say, well, you know, when they were younger, I remember they went off to a camp and, and they, they made a profession of faith. And then if you were to go to those same family members now and say, hey, what do you believe? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that you're a sinner that falls short of the glory of God? And they're like, no, nah. no, I don't believe those. Well, what is that evidence of? It's evidence that they are not in Christ because they do not continue to believe rightly about who Jesus is and who they are in light of who God is. 
believe in Jesus. And then lastly, the last verse, verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. Reminiscent of John chapter 15, the vine and abiding in him. It says, and by this we know. Another way of phrasing that, you can have confidence. By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in this epistle of 1 John. But the last reason that he gives us that we can have confidence is you actually have the Holy Spirit living within you, empowering you, and training and fine-tuning your confidence to reflect the values and character and rules and commandments of who Jesus is and who God is. God actually gives you the Holy Spirit that lives within you and convicts you of sin and guides you into truth and empowers you to live the Christian life and to live it successfully. So just as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, there were certain things that built my confidence about, hey, I can, I can do this iPhone battery repair. You know, it was watching the tutorials, it was having experience, it was reading the instructions, and it was following the instructions, and then being able to successfully plug it in and seeing the phone power on and that the battery actually lasts longer now. Now I have even more confidence. Well, the same is also true somewhat in our Christian life. That ultimately our confidence has to be in our belief in Jesus Christ and who He is, and His ability to keep what He's promised. And by the way, you can be confident in that. You can take that to the bank day in and day out, that God will keep his promises. So if there has been a moment in your life in which you have bowed the knee, whether you remember the date or not, that you believed in Jesus and you surrendered and you said, I can't, but I believe you can and you did on my behalf. I want to follow you the rest of my days. If there's been that moment in your life, then you can have confidence as you look at these different aspects in your life. The fact that you don't do it perfectly, but you love his people. You love other brothers and sisters in Christ sacrificially with an agape kind of love that God has for us. You can have confidence knowing that you can boldly go to God in prayer and that he answers your prayers. Why is that? Because you're so in tune with God that you're praying according to his will because you're just following in love and obedience. That's the other thing, that you keep his commandments. That you look and you read into this and you say, yes, that's what I want to do. Because I love God. Why do I love God? Because he first loved me. A wretched sinner, when there was nothing lovely about me, he loved me. That you believe in Jesus, we talked about that, and then that you have the Holy Spirit that indwells you and seals you until the day of redemption. That spirit that cries out within you and says, yes, you're mine. And that spirit that convicts you of sin and points out areas in which you're not obeying and following Jesus. And that power, tapping into that power source of God who lives within you in the Holy Spirit. So I wonder in conclusion, do you know him? Maybe more importantly than saying, do you know him? Does God know you? Has he given you the Holy Spirit? And, and as you look at your life, 
as you look in that mirror and in the mirror of his word, you're not going to see perfection. But you should see these tendencies. Yes, I believe rightly about who God is and who Jesus is. I have love for God. I have love for others. I actually obey God and, and I have the Holy Spirit crying out and saying, yes, you're mine. I have that living within me to empower me to live the Christian life and to follow Jesus all of my days. So I wonder, are you in Christ? If you're not, I would, I would encourage you to reach out to myself, reach out to Pastor Phil. Um, you could leave a, mess, a comment on this Facebook thread. Hey, message, would you message us? Text us. We'd love to talk to you a little bit more about how you can have confidence that you are in Christ. God bless.